asking yourself if what you want to get out of, out of a job is a productive outcome or a cultural belonging outcome. And one of those feels appropriate and the other one doesn't. Welcome to Design to Be Conversation, presented by Design to Be and hosted by Design to Be founder and CEO, me, Rachel Weissman. Design to Be is a community that elevates designers to become empowered, educated, and effective using EQ-based tools and practices. In this show, I have conversations with design leaders about how investing in their EQ has impacted their design career. In today's episode, I speak with Gabe Valdivia. Gabe is a Cuban-American designer based in New York City. He's been practicing design for more than 15 years, leading teams in large organizations and designing for startups. He's currently leading consumer experience design at Patreon, connecting artists with a passionate audience to help them make a living doing what they love. Before that, he led design and research teams at CNN Digital, Google Jigsaw, and Facebook. We dive into the importance of practicing authenticity as a designer, how it can lead you to greater career empowerment, how your intrinsic motivations can guide you through career changes and challenges, how to differentiate your identity from your work, and ultimately how investing in your EQ can bring you towards a more meaningful and fulfilled design career. Welcome, Gabe, to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. When we were going back and forth and emailing and figuring out what different topics that we wanted to cover today, I provided you a list of certain topics that I was keen on covering. And I love the one that you chose, which holds a very close place to me in my heart, which is authenticity. What drew you to this topic? And what does authenticity mean to you in the context of being a designer? Yeah, so this topic is near and dear to my heart because I feel like it's really hard to be authentic, like especially in a professional environment. We have multiple personas that we inhabit to kind of fit in in different contexts. Being in a job, you're supposed to behave a certain way and follow a certain etiquette that may or may not be in line with who you truly are. You know, since I've been working, I've been trying to reconcile the self that I need to be in a job to be successful, to fit in, and the self who I truly am. And I feel like it's, you know, it's it's something that as in the design community is particularly interesting to me because, you know, we were constantly struggling between being attached to our work and really kind of feeling connected to it and doing the opposite, right? Like being detached from the work and kind of like surviving all the ups and downs that come from that. Authenticity and self-awareness feel like really important things to master. And it's something that I've been pursuing for many years and just a mere apprentice now. One specific point diving a bit deeper of, and a few other like questions are populating in my head, but at what point in now that you're like a director of UX and have a lot more of experience, was there a turning point in your career, maybe for more junior folks to like keep an eye out that made you realize that, oh, I really do need to value 
authentic behavior. Because I feel like what you spoke to, which is so important for folks, is yes, there is. I you need to be authentic to who you are, and then there's this lens of I also like you need to fit into your culture. And so we're all kind of playing this dance, which I feel like we can dive into that topic. But I'm curious if there was a point in your career that you were like, this is something I really want to invest in. Yeah, I think it's probably connected to me being an immigrant too and always trying to fit in. You know, I've moved around quite a few times and I've always been the outsider. Similarly, when I was starting out in design, my goal was to fit in, to like be part of the community and be like, legitimize as a designer. And for me, the trick is in figuring out what your motivations are. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it to fit in or to make a lot of money or to make X impact in the world? And really be kind of like honest with what is it that you care about without any judgment or kind of like morality attached to it. For me, I spent many years trying to like legitimize myself and to go from a small agency to a slightly larger agency to a startup to a tech company. It's not until like you kind of meet all those goals that you're like, I want to do this and you do it. And then you're like, I want to do that and you do it. <laughs> then you're like, okay, well, what do I actually want to do? Because every time I got to that milestone, you know, it was like, did I really want to do that? Is that really what kind of gave me the satisfaction that I was looking for? So I think, you know, for me in particular, it wasn't until like I gained like the privilege of being in, in a large tech company and being a senior designer within there that I was like, what, is this really what I've been looking for? Is this really the end goal? And that was, you know, a few years ago. The the grass is always greener. (laughs) Exactly. As you were speaking, I kid you not, I started like lightly getting the chills because in past design to be events, a thing that we really have spoken about, which aligns with creating a career that you're ultimately fulfilled with is discovering your why. And I feel like this is such like a clear bridge between authenticity is like, there's so many different avenues that lead to a fulfilled career, but figuring out your intent or why you're doing what you're doing and being honest with yourself of, I needed to do the big tech job thing, like same (laughs) and (laughs) (laughs) needing to have these career milestones in order to get that perspective and being honest with yourself about it is really hard. (laughs) It's really hard. And I love that you alluded to being honest and non-judgmental throughout that journey as well. Practicing authenticity too, and in that lens of non-being judgmental, as you are navigating what's really important to me, were there certain practices that you did or maybe in a more like tactical lens of things that you remembered that helped provide you that realization or awareness? I think my approach is probably not one approach I would recommend, but my approach was... (laughs) to like blow things up. (laughs) I've gotten to uh, points in my career where I feel like I've achieved something that I wanted to achieve. And sometimes it's fulfilling, sometimes it's not. And when I feel kind of this void that something is wrong, what I've done is just play with a bunch of variables. You know, I've changed teams or I've changed companies or I've changed locations where I live. And I've tried to kind of like do that somewhat thoughtfully and understand like, Okay, like wh- how, how am I feeling as I'm changing this? Like, how am I, am I really fitting in? Is this really kind of the day to day that I want to live? You know, I think part of the challenge there is resisting the gravitational pull that the career 
ladder pass on you. <laughs> like it's a hard one. It's a hard one. <laughs> it's tough because you know there's a very clear path for progress. You start as a junior designer, then then regular, then senior, and and so on. And the manual is kind of like set up for you. And I've looked at that manual in the face, and I'm like, huh, maybe if I do this, I go up to the next level. But is that really what I want to do? And if the answer is no, then that means intentionally giving up to whatever benefit is on the other side of that, right? Oftentimes, the benefit is money. Like you're giving up money. Don't do that. Other times, the benefit is reputation or this sense of belonging. Like you're part of a system. You're part of a community. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, I felt like I don't belong to that system. So the challenge there has been like, okay, if I don't belong there, then where do I belong? Like, what is the corner of the corporate world? where I can fit in. It's something that I'm still figuring out. And I think that the only thing that's given me peace is kind of embracing the instability of that. Yeah, knowing that like I'm trying something out now and if it doesn't work out in a couple of years, I'll try something different. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is the home, right? The, the ability to move around and assimilate to different contexts. Where my mind is going, like as designers, especially like those in UX in like product organizations, there's this culture of, at least at many organizations, there's a culture of experimenting and iterating. And we're doing that on products all day. And I feel like what you have expressed and what I hope a lot of our listeners can take away is also this iteration of approach to career and this like refinement in order to find your own authenticity since. We're always changing. The me that really, really wanted to work at X company years ago is different than the me that really wants to work at Y company now. And who someone that maybe wants to work at a big company today might want to work at a small company tomorrow or be an entrepreneur today, work at a big company tomorrow, so on and so forth. So I love that you highlighted the constant change and constant refinement of authenticity and being honest with yourself about that. Because I feel like, especially I remember starting out in earlier in my career where I viewed things as more binary (laughs) and uh, you do career ladder and that's what you do. (laughs) And it's so much more fluid than that. And I feel like that's where like the realm of authenticity and carving a career path or in this case, a design career path, authenticity is such a core part of that. Yeah. This Correlation between authenticity, to me, it makes me think of like your identity, right? Like how do you define who you are? And in the US, at least, it's very interrelated with what you do. This is something I've been exploring for a few years now. And a few years ago, I helped organize a conference around design and identity. And a lot of people spoke about how the intersection between like, you know, their identity and and the work that they do. Going to school, I was taught that you are not your work. Like whatever you do, you are not your work. What you do is not self-expression. It's not art. You're making, like solving problems for a goal that is not mine. Yet here I am, you know, 10 years later, still feeling really attached to my work and talking to a lot of people in that conference who are also attached in their work. And not only that, their identity is influencing their work as well, as much as their work is influencing them. So, you know, when I think about being authentic, I think about that relationship between who I am and what I do and how what I do influences who I am. And to me, it feels inescapable, right? So it's almost like everywhere I work is a small statement of like who I am and what I care about. 
And that to me feels like a guideline to follow, to know like, okay, am I working on something that I feel proud of that I can proudly defend as like part of my identity? I worked at X company for X number of years. Like, is that something that I feel at peace with? Or is there some sort of inner conflict that I justify? And I think if I sense that tension, then I usually kind of jump off to do something else that that is probably less tense. Yeah. And I feel like you can look at it from the lens of an organization or even relationships. Like my interpretation of what you're alluding to is we all have our own set of values, consciously or unconsciously, that we are aware of or we're not aware of. And we're gravitated towards these different companies or creating these different products or experiences because there is an alignment of values with both the company and the people on the team that we're working with. As we do, companies evolve and other people evolve as well. And maybe it shifts where it doesn't feel as good anymore. It doesn't sit as right anymore. Yeah, I love that being honest with that shift and that change and knowing that it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. In my case, I have been unkind to myself in the past or like, you know, I feel like certain values that I may be working towards are not values that I respect. I think that's not the best attitude. There's values that are important to any individual and that's good enough, right? Like even if it's like, I just want to make money, like that's okay. If you have a job just to make money, I think that's fine. Just being self-aware that that is what you're pursuing and that's your relationship to your job. That's not something that I can be at peace with. I can't work just to make money, but I know people that can and they seem to be a lot happier than I am. So maybe it's a good idea. I'm in the same camp as you. But it's being very honest with your value set and and Mm. getting back to what you said at the beginning as well of what's your intent with what your career is, which can guide your authentic behavior. So if you do want to, if your next job, if you do know if it's just for, if your primary value is financial or if it is independence, freedom, or working at scale or impact or whatever impact means to you, maybe it's not scale, maybe it's depth. And so whatever that means to you, but having those honest conversations can lead to a more authentic career. But it doesn't make it easier. It just provides a bit more (laughs) awareness into how to shape it. I guess getting a little more specific, was there a time in your career that you felt like you were expressing authenticity? Maybe it's through a, a career change that you were looking for a new job or an interaction with a coworker, and maybe why this was so. I feel like anything I could say... I could be called out for, but uh, (laughs) like I was saying earlier, I've worked at Facebook for four years and I think there was a path there where, you know, I could have stayed at Facebook and climbed up the ranks there and reap the rewards of that. And I think, you know, there's a lot of benefits to that path. I, I have a lot of friends who are still there and who are very good at what they do and they seem to be very happy to be there. And for me, I, I was kind of faced with this question of like, do I do this? Do I continue kind of on this path that I've spent four years crafting? Mm-hmm. Or do I step into a different path, right? And at that point, for me, that path meant leaving San Francisco, right? Leaving the tech mecca and going somewhere else, going to a different company and starting over. And in my case, I ended up going to Google, which is no smaller. Actually, it's actually <laughs> bigger than Facebook. But I joined a smaller team within Google that 
you know, in my mind, anyway, I thought it was like something that was directionally closer to what I really cared about. I joined a Google team called Jigsaw, where a lot of people kind of felt this need of using all the skills that they've amassed working at big tech and apply them towards the benefit of communities at risk who usually are not benefited by technology. So we did, we built a few products fighting censorship and misinformation and things of that nature. And to me, that felt like, you know, a step where I felt like closer to what I cared about. And that was like finite. After two years there, I felt like, you know, it wasn't actually what I was looking for. I was actually looking to apply my skills to the consumer market. Jigsaw felt a bit more like R&D. You know, there was a lot of work that we did that inspired other teams. And I just, even though it was important work, and, you know, if I said it to anyone, you know, they would be like, oh, wow, you work at Google. That's really impressive. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah, and I'm working on social good. And they're like, oh my God, that's so impressive, right? There was a lot (laughs) of like karma points that I got out of that. I was still had this tension internally of like, this is not really what I feel like I'm best at. And then I kind of took the step of like leaving a really cushy big tech ecosystem. It's not perfect. It's certainly very, very comfortable. So stepping outside of that into the abyss of startups, you know, it felt like a scary step to take. And one step that I was able to take because of the privilege that I gained working at these big companies, but it felt in some ways as a step backwards, right? Like I could have continued to be a Google and like getting a larger title, a bigger comp package and, and so on, or join this like startup that I joined where there was like five of us in an office in Dumbo. So those leaps feel like a bit of a sacrifice in the sense of like, you know, there is a path that I could have taken that seems to be better, like financially, career-wise, reputationally, or kind of this unknown path. So it's one that I took in, in one that I don't regret, you know, like it wasn't a smooth path. Like it wasn't like, and everything was happily ever after, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs from there and, and I'm still going through the ups and downs, but it feels like if nothing else feels like a, a bit more kind of congruous path, one where like what I'm doing feels a bit more connected to like what I think or what I feel. So yeah, that's my story there. Thank you so much for sharing. It reminds me of, I saw this illustration on Instagram the other day. I think I shared it on my story or something, but it was like two different illustrations. The top one was something about like what most people define success, which is status and money or something like that. And what success actually is and which like status and money, like maybe is a thing, but also well-being and being aligned with your purpose and like all these other things that I feel like are so easy to just like shove under the rug because it's not this shiny thing that you're like Forbes 30 under 30 or on the cover of Time magazine or people aren't saying the most well-rested designer. (laughs) That designer has not won an award yet. But I feel like what's amazing about your story is this constant iteration of being honest about the steps that you took. Because speaking from personal experience, it's very easy to stay in the cushiness that is big tech and taking a leap to align with something that's in your gut or some calling that's saying, I feel like I should do that. Something is scary. I think there's some people who are perfect for big tech. 
being authentic could mean that is exactly the job for me. You know, like I think in my case, I kind of fell into the trap of thinking that that is like the the ultimate expression of success, right? Especially coming from, I was born in Cuba and grew up in Costa Rica and started my career in design in Florida, which is not Silicon Valley. My goal since I kind of stepped out into the professional world was like, how can I be a serious designer? You know, how can it be a designer that is respected and actually knows what they're talking about? I, I just never felt like I was part of the major leagues. So I kind of got caught up in that rat race of like, I need to make moves in order to become the serious designer. And for me, you know, it took the shape of, oh, these are the bigger companies. I got to go there. And once I'm there, I got to make a name for myself and I need to be able to be successful within those companies. And that just wasn't a authentic motivation. It's not really like what drives me. It was just kind of a, a way for me to like fit in or like fulfill some other void that my parents probably left on me. <laughs> so I think the process that I felt prey to was like thinking that that was the only path and that the only way to be successful or to like move forward in my career was to go, to take that path. So then to like recorrect that path and go somewhere else felt like a betrayal of the industry. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas like now that a few years have passed, I'm recognizing that I was just kind of under some sort of weird spell that I put on myself <laughs> that I'm sure other people probably think as well. And it's only the that this process of like learning how to recognize what I care about and make decisions that are aligned with that, that I've been able to kind of break free from that. Yeah. Thank you for a couple things. One, thank you for hammering home on the point of no matter what kind of company you're at, whether you are at a large tech organization for 20 years, or if you move around to different companies, whether it be big or small, it's no right or wrong. And if working at a large tech organization for a long period of time feels right and true to you, 100% you should be there. <laughs> that means you are in yeah. alignment with your career path and you should completely be there. And I feel like a cool thing about working in those big tech spaces is you can move around in different teams and all stay within the sphere that is that. But yeah, definitely there's no right or wrong here it's this constant iteration which i feel like you've done like with the story of it with quite grace of navigating and being honest with okay at this point in my career i had this set of values and it wasn't feeling so good and then i'm going to go here and yeah this feels good mm, and yeah, not so good anymore and then we're going to go over here and i feel like that can having these vulnerable conversations with ourselves can be intimidating whether it be okay i do want to stay where i'm at or okay, I do want to go somewhere else, or I do want to try this new project, or I'm good with my current workload. It can be on the like micro or macro, but giving with my research with authenticity is the more that we can be authentic and show authentic behavior, it gives other people permission to show up authentically as well. And yeah. while it's super important to be part of the community and empathize and like mirror people so they can understand us. It's so important to be authentically used so other people can feel safe and supported to be authentically them. Yeah. Going back to this idea of like motivations, one thing that I've noticed is that I tend to project onto work an outcome that is not work related. <laughs> You know, wanting to be like a designer, right? Like when I was in San Francisco, I thought that that meant like 
I gotta go to Dolores Park and have a picnic <laughs> and like you buy a fancy do, camera. You kind of do. You kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, like buy a fancy camera. I go to Mount Tam, take photos of the <laughs> fog. There's like a cultural archetype of what a designer is, and a set of like sensibilities, certain filters that you gotta take photos with, or certain compositions, like certain shows you gotta watch. All these things. These are just really just a cultural. It's a community that you want to be a part of. And I think thinking of your job as a way to be part of a community is pretty dangerous <laughs> because it's a job after all, right? right? It's a vessel to be productive and achieve a goal, right? That, that you may or may not be aligned on. So I think, again, back to this like authenticity theme, asking yourself if what you want to get out of, out of a job is a productive outcome or a cultural belonging outcome. And one of those feels appropriate and the other one doesn't. I feel like as much as you can talk about culture in a, within a company and, and community, like I feel like pursuing a company in order to be part of that culture feels dangerous. It feels fragile and like you can be shoved around the company, right? And now not only is your like productivity attached to it, but also your cultural identity is attached to it. So you know, I don't know if I'm making sense here, but like I think understanding what you want to get out of your job, out of your career, and mm -hmm. understanding like where it belongs in terms of cultural belonging versus being productive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a fine line, right? I remember when I joined Google and was interviewing with different teams. And the team that I joined, the big reason why I joined was because of the manager. And he created this like stellar team. And I was super excited to join and learn from him. And a few months later, he quit and slowly the team dispersed one by one by one by one. I do think that there is something about joining a team or a company for the people that are there because those are the trickled out values. But I think there's also, which I feel like what you were alluding to as well, of understanding also what are the other motivations that are pulling you to be there. And is the culture the only thing? Knowing that culture shifts and based on who works there, the people drive the culture. So as people leave, I, can the culture is the culture so rooted and sturdy where it stays the same? Maybe, maybe. Tell me about that organization. But also people create culture. So no matter what values you have set in place, it's easy for it to be quite fluid as well. So having those honest conversations about what motivates you to what's pulling you to that organization, I feel like are great pieces of the puzzle when crafting what's the next project you want to work on or what's the next job you want to have or what's the next side hustle you want to have or whatever it may be are super essential to be aligned with more authentic like career behavior. I have a similar story, but much more embarrassing. <laughs> Let's uh, do it. <laughs> when, I, when I joined Facebook, at the time, you know, they had this onboarding process where they give you like a handful of projects or teams to select, mm -hmm. to be a part of. And I was, you know, my second week there, I'm trying to select which team I'm going to join. It was between the Messenger team and the Pages team. And I love them both. But the Pages team had just finished a round of swag and they had this <laughs> jacket. They had this jacket that was really cool. I'm probably the only employee 
who fell for the swag thing, but I was like, yeah, that jacket is cool. I want to have that jacket. And that's the reason why I joined the team. <laughs> I just wanted to have the jacket, like straight up high school, like varsity jacket, like pyramid scheme. <laughs> that's what got me in it. And, you know, three months later, I was like, this is not the team for me. And I had to bounce to a different yeah. team. I feel like I've definitely fell prey to the allure of culture before. Swag is powerful. I think we can, like, if you, if you <laughs> took away one, one thing from this episode, <laughs> swag is powerful. I guess one other detailed question. So we've talked a lot about ways that you have been authentic, or and maybe even this past example did show, like, inauthentic behavior. But I guess, like, what are ways that you've been able to maybe even, like, catch yourself when you've been feeling, like, inauthentic, maybe in the micro if throughout your design process, or even more the macro of a career change or anything like that? Yeah, I think that the best tool I have, I think I'm an extrovert, one of those like mix between extrovert <laughs> and introvert, but, but I do get energy from being with other people. One of the best tools that I have is to like share ideas with other people and like test them out. I found that I'm not always the best at representing myself to the best light. Like sometimes I'm a little too, too tough on myself. When I'm feeling like I'm in this tension point, I usually talk to three or four friends that I have and I'm like, I think I'm feeling this and this is what happened. Like, what do you think? And, and sometimes they seem to know me better than I know myself because mm-hmm. they have enough patterns of being around me over the years that they're like, yeah, you tend to do this, you tend to do that, which I guess now that I'm saying out loud, is probably what a therapist should do. So what you're doing is a f- incredible form of self-awareness, which most, pe- most people don't do. I'd say go to therapy. I've gone to therapy, get coaches, do all that. But having your friends give you feedback or other people in your life is a huge part of self-awareness. So definitely keep that up. And it feels like it's the opposite of self-awareness because I feel like they know me better than myself. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it is useful in the sense that like I'm able to like get out of my head and all these like contradicting voices that are in my head of like, should I do this versus should I do that? And just put it out there. And you know, it's not dissimilar to what I do with a design, right? Like as I'm exploring a, a design, I share it with my team and get their thoughts and Usually what comes out of that sharing moment is better than what we started out with. So I found that like getting out of my own head and putting stuff out there, even if it's like, you know, the the scariest version of this is to like tweet it and like talk to (laughs) a bunch of strangers, but I've done that too. You know, like I've tested out how vulnerable I can be on the Twitter machine and I found these boundaries. I feel like it's helpful to kind of understand the patterns over the long term Mm -hmm. because I tend to be kind of like, myopic when I'm inside of a certain decision point. Yeah. And providing that I'm envisioning like a light bulb shining on (laughs) the things that like we can't see is uh, like super, super helpful. And I feel like it, it aligns with what we were even talking about at the beginning of being okay with this lens of experimentation and things like not being fully baked and just putting something out there. Even like, I feel like we're coach to put designs out there, but whether it be designs or our own thoughts about how we collaborate or progress in our career is just as important to put out there and get feedback in a lens of vulnerability and authenticity. I'm a big fan of feedback. And I don't think feedback needs to be constructive to be valuable. I appreciate somebody that just calls me out and tells me, you know, I'm being shitty or, you know, whatever it is. 
I think it's just a data point that I can choose to interpret. I switched jobs recently a few weeks ago, and that was a, a really revealing process as well, right? Like every time I switch jobs, it tells me a lot about myself, not just who I am, but also who I'm perceived to be, which mm -hmm. sometimes is very different. <laughs> so in reality, that should be like probably not very different, right? You know, recently I, I've, the process of like interviewing with companies is like this rigorous process of like constantly defining yourself in front of a bunch of strangers and selling yourself, saying, hey, here's who I am. This is why you should spend X amount of money to have me in your organization. And here's mm -hmm. why I have to contribute to it. Maybe that's the most high pressure environment, like more than Twitter. Like this is like, <laughs> like the most transactional way possible, right? Like you're positioning yourself as a product almost, right? Like here's me as a package. Do you want to take it? Yeah, you know, I think that process of like telling the story of who you are and what you care about and what you're looking for, it's informative to me because I don't usually go around my life saying like, here's who I am and here's what I care about. But every time I need to find a job, I need to like somehow come up with a narrative that is internally consistent with me. So I highly recommend quitting your job and finding a new one. <laughs> and even for folks that say don't want to, or they, they feel comfortable in their own job, I feel like going through this exercise of what are your primary career values right now and how are you perceiving your own story and how are others perceiving it is so important to crafting a career with more authenticity. And yeah, I'm excited for you to continue to take these next iterations and uh, like craft this authentic career. We're getting a bit close to time, so we can start wrapping up. What's uh, one thing that you'd like to ask of our listeners for them to invest in their EQ or for them, in this case, maybe in their authenticity? One thing that I've learned recently is that this idea of values, we tend to think of them as like individual pillars that are important to us, mm -hmm. but it's really like the group, like the package of values that's important. And I think if you want to be authentic, the other values that are kind of a prerequisite for that, the ones that come to mind to me are like, you know, self-awareness, but also like transparency, vulnerability, thinking about like any one value that you might want to pursue what are the other kind of complementary ones that you need for that package to really kind of see those through? You know, I don't think you can be authentic if you're not really transparent, right? So, so if you want to go down that path, there are other values that you got to bring along with you. So yeah, thinking of values or EQ as a, as a holistic thing, what are the individual ingredients for that? And how do they all kind of interact with each other? That's something that I've, been, that I've learned recently and that I'm kind of like thinking what's missing. Like what I care about, X and Y, but like, what is the Z value that I'm not thinking of that I need to kind of invest on? I might be thinking of this just because I think I might be getting hungry, but where my, <laughs> where my mind's going is it's great to just put salt and pepper on your food or just salt, but adding in different ingredients and seeing how they complement each other, like is essential if you really want to elevate your dish. And uh, I feel like similarly in what you are saying is there's certain skills that like one self-awareness is, is the baseline really for any kind of emotional intelligence, career development or personal development. But then seeing what are the pieces that you can build on that are related to help make a more, make those skill sets more well-rounded. So I love that you called out transparency there, especially. And one last question to leave folks with, 
and maybe they've gathered this since they're listening to, to the end of the episode, but given your own personal experience, why would you say that it's relevant for a designer to invest in their EQ? I think it's the only thing that matters. A year and a half ago, I read this book called Team Human, and it talks about like this tension that we have with the uprising of like artificial intelligence and technology as we know it, and mm -hmm. humanity, like what humanity really cares about. And I feel like as humans, well, I don't feel the, the book says this, that as humans, we tend to kind of optimize ourselves around what machines can do best. And if we do that, the machines are going to do it better than us and we're going to be irrelevant. Instead, we can focus on what humans do best. And unlike machines, you know, we're not binary. We're very ambiguous. And we are the only ones who can believe two contradicting things to be true, right? We can say... God is not real, but I have a purpose, right? Those people <laughs> believe those two things and, and they're very contradicting. You know, I, I feel like EQ is kind of part of this, right? Investing in the emotional side of what we do is really the winning ticket here. Like if we invest in our skills as like the tools or the, the hard skills to work on, machines will eventually do that way better than us. But it's really mastering the gray area and the ambiguity in the messy human interactions. I think that's what we can really focus on. I'm going to have nothing else to say. Let's leave it at that. That was like beautifully said. And yeah, you don't need to sell me on EQ, but <laughs> I feel like definitely that was beautiful. Thank you so much, Gabe, for your time and for your conversation. I learned a lot today and I hope that our listeners did as well. So thank you. Thank you. I learned so much too. That wraps up another episode of Design to Be Conversation. Thanks so much for listening. If you're curious for more ways to invest in your EQ, to be a more empowered, educated, and effective designer, head over to designtobe.com. That is D-E-S-I-G-N-T-O-B-E.com. You can take our design process EQ quiz or sign up for a newsletter to receive the latest Design to Be community building, live offerings, and self-inquiry guidance directly to your inbox. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you may listen. Be sure to share this podcast with a fellow designer who's interested in investing in their EQ. And again, thanks so much for listening.